0: Welcome to Balance Black Girl, a podcast dedicated to mental, physical, and emotional health from the Black woman's perspective. Tune in to hear from Black woman health and wellness experts giving the approachable advice you need to help you feel your best. I'm your host, Lestrandra Alfred. Let's dive in. Welcome to Balance Black Girl. My name is Les. I am your host and I am So happy to be sharing this space with you today. If you are a new listener, welcome, happy to have you. If you are a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back for yet another week and tuning in. As someone who has been on my healing journey for quite some time, every once in a while I get to these spaces where I think, what am I even doing? (laughs) Have I even healed at all? All this work I've done, have I actually healed? What does that actually mean? What am I healing from again? How do I know when I'm going to be healed? Are the things that I'm doing that I think are helping me heal, are they actually helping me do that? If you're someone who has also been on a healing journey, which I'm going to guess that you are because you're listening to this show, you have probably asked yourself similar questions and In today's episode, we're really going to talk about healing in a very practical sense. What does it mean to heal? How can we facilitate our healing? How can we continue to keep ourselves going? Our guest today is one of my favorite people to learn from, period, in general, specifically about the topic of healing, and we dive into these questions and so much more. Yasmin Cheyenne is an advocate for mental health and a self healing expert. She is also known for her transformative teachings around self healing, which she offers through keynote speeches, corporate presentations, and one on one coaching. Her instruction has helped thousands of students take control of their financial and physical health by creating boundaries, designing their dream job, finding the love of their life, and more. Yasmin is such a breath of fresh air. Her being, her work, she just gives a sense of calm and peace to everything that she does. I love talking to her. She also has an incredible podcast called the Sugar Jar Podcast, which I cannot recommend enough. And we'll make sure that her podcast is linked in the show notes. Because if you enjoy Balanced Black Girl, you will love the Sugar Jar Podcast. I am so happy to have her on the show today and excited to bring you this conversation. So let's get into it. Yasmin, welcome to the show. I am beyond excited to have you here today. Hello, and thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. Yes, I feel like I'm obviously a huge fan of yours. I Probably spend more time than most things blowing up your DMs most of the time. But every time I do actually get to have a conversation with you, I love it so much. So I'm excited to do so again today.
1: Yes, thank you. And I'm a fan of yours too and this podcast. So I'm really excited to be here.
0: Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.
1: So for our audience members
0: who are just now meeting you, you know, you are so incredibly talented, a talented educator, writer healer, what
1: brought you to work in that space? Yeah. So first of all, thank you. I really appreciate that. I, you know, I, I I think what really solidified me coming into this space was when I was, uh, in the military working with, uh, victims of sexual violence, victims of domestic violence, things like that. And I would witness what they went through and notice that there was no support, real support for people who went through traumatic things and recognizing what trauma looked like. And I think recognizing trauma from such a horrendous perspective also made me realize that we were experiencing trauma in a lot of different other ways as well. And so when I began to do a lot of my own trauma work, I noticed that you know there just weren't enough people that looked like me facilitating this work, and that Black women and people of color, BIPOC people's experiences were often overlooked. And especially even if you want to get into uh, trans people, non-binary people were not even in the room. It was very it w- it was not diverse. And so I decided that I wanted to create a space where. People, no matter what they identify as, no matter what they look like, could come and feel safe and comfortable healing because if we can't censor people's experiences based on their actual lived experiences, then it's hard to heal if somebody is gaslighting you and telling you that you need to manifest your way out of your trauma, right? So I really wanted to create that space for folks. And that's what I try to do. And my intention is and behind everything I do with healing. Mm,
0: yes, that's, uh, I just, I want to touch on several things within that. First that really stuck out to me was just that acknowledgement that up until pretty recently, there weren't very many of us who were either Black, people of color, um, queer community who were included in a lot of conversations about healing, but mm-hmm. so many having those identities gives you so many more things that you likely need to heal from, from the ways mm-hmm. that people treat you because of your identity. Not because having those identities is hard in and of itself or a bad thing, but it's often the, the perceptions of society that make it hard, that we're yeah. often excluded, even though there's, there's so many more things that we really need to heal from
1: absolutely and i think also too like if you are living fully in your blackness and your queerness and your whateverness that it is um and you just want to come to a space and heal and not have to have whatever you are be a thing mm-hmm. then having those spaces is is such a different experience and yeah although we're not in person yet when we're in person and doing it it's such a magnetic and magical experience. I feel like it carries on once people leave the the room and continue on. And although I do primarily focus on women or attract women to my work, I feel like I attract so many types of folks to my work. And so it makes me feel good to know that people feel like there's somebody who cares about their experience and they're not having to just figure it out on their own or try to match different self-help books or programs to fit their world that there is, that there are people. It's not just me. There's so, like you said, there's so many people creating spaces for us. So it's, it's amazing.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'd also love to touch on uh, what you said about trauma, because I think that It's such an important point there in what you saw with your military background with people going through very severe traumas related to that. I think it can also be tempting for people who maybe don't have those types of experiences that are very outward, very extreme to feel like the traumas that they go through don't matter or to Mm -hmm. discount them because maybe it's not as bad as what someone else is going through. How do you recommend people... Navigate through acknowledging those things or acknowledging the experiences that they have without necessarily downplaying it or feeling like they should be able to suck it up or it doesn't matter,
1: yeah, you know one of the most beautiful things I learned um, actually from Dr. Brene Brown was about comparative suffering and recognizing that we're all suffering within our own experiences and things that we have gone through has has caused us each individually to suffer. Um, And I think there is, there can appear to be sometimes a hierarchy when it comes to suffering that is either created by people that we've been in relationship with, maybe our families um, have said, you know, even, I know when I was growing up, it was always like, well, you know, be grateful. You got food on the table, you have this, you have that, like the checklist of things, which is yes, like we should be grateful. We should have gratitude for the things that we have. And also we are allowed to create space for the tough experiences that we've had, even if it wasn't something that we, as a society, deem as traumatic, like rape, like murder, like witnessing a crime, like going to war, right? Um, There's trauma in constantly having to withstand microaggressions at work. There's trauma in mansplaining. Mm -hmm. I mean, women uh, or people who are not men losing their voice or feeling like they don't have a voice. Um, There's trauma and emotional abuse. You know, there's so many different types of, of trauma. And so recognizing that if we can begin to release the perhaps societal or the taught explanation or definition is a better word of trauma that we've been given and allow ourselves to, to have our own, Shit, too, <laughs> you know, like to really own that we've been through some things and it's been hard. And even though it may not be what someone else has gone through, it's been hard for us. Is powerful. You can feel guilty. I still go through that as well. But I think that that's the the that's the shame. That's the part of us that is not willing to, and also guilt. We're not willing to really allow ourselves to to be present to the fact that it was tough. And I think that that's a lot of what healing work is, allowing ourselves to like, like, or even if like um, you you had a really, if your boyfriend cheated on you and you found out in a really horrific way, like that's traumatic. Mm. It doesn't have to be something that is particularly violent for it to have been something that rocked your world and changed the footing on which you stand. And you may have to build a new foundation for yourself, even if others don't identify what you went through as traumatic. And owning that it can be really tough work, but that is a part of what I think healing is. Oh, yes. That's
0: so good. I love what you just said about building a foundation. I Mm -hmm. think that's such a beautiful way to put it and a beautiful way to think of healing work, and especially when you're just getting started, is rebuilding that foundation.
1: Mm-hmm. Or even if you're at the end, yeah, or the, uh, in the middle, or you might have to, you know, might you might have some cracks in your foundation, <laughs> catch them <laughs> up. Yeah,
0: <laughs> how have your personal experiences, either with mental health or on your healing journey, informed your work?
1: I mean, they they do all the time. I'm really intentional about. Not writing or teaching or speaking on anything that I am still working through, mm. which is hard because I'm still mm-hmm. working through a lot of things. Um, but if I feel like, I guess a better way of explaining this is if I feel like I am on, at a place where I know that I can see what's mine, I can see what someone else's, I can see where I still have work, I can see, you know, if I can see all parts of it and like. Assess blame and judgment in all of those places in an appropriate way, not with perfection. Because I am a recovering perfectionist, and I will try (laughs) to do things perfectly. Sometimes I have to check myself. Then I'll share it. Um, But if I am still in the thick of who the hell do they think they are, then that's off limits for teaching, for sharing, because I have the potential to pass on my projections. To other people. And I feel like that is really unsafe. And so I do allow a lot of my work to be based on things that I have personally gone through, but it's also uh, work that I've done with my one on one clients or my group work or my uh, courses and teaching that also impacts the way that I've created the work that I do. So yeah, it's really interesting to see sometimes how something that, you know, maybe 10 or 15 years ago was like, you know, how am I going through this? And then now being able to help someone else go through something similar and help them work through it, not tell them like, this is what I learned, but like what would it feel like to look at it from this angle, an angle that I couldn't see 15 years ago, but now I can. Um, It's like giving people those opportunities for reflection that so many of us wish we had that we may not have in our parents or our, our grandparents or you know, even our circle around us. Sometimes we're the only one doing our healing work, and you know, it's tough <laughs> when yeah. you're the only one that is walking that journey. It is so tough. I know I have certainly been there, and I've
0: I've heard from listeners and from audience members who have been there as well, just feeling like they're trying to move forward and having a hard time with. The people around them being on board. Do you Mm. have any advice for people who are just particularly in the thick of struggling with that?
1: Yeah, you know, it's hard because my usual advice has changed so much because Mm -hmm. we're not in person. Yeah. I've definitely believed that, well, first, the first part is there are so many virtual groups and memberships like yours mm-hmm. popping up all over the place, allowing people to create community. And I mean, you really can make friends online. Um, I know a lot of people find that hard to believe, but if people are finding spouses online, <laughs> you know, nope, then you have to, you know, open, you don't have to, but it's, it would be nice to open the door or, um, answer the invitation to perhaps finding friends online. I found so many good friends online. And I think people who are going through similar things, you'll find in those similar communities and spaces. And so really open yourself up to seeing if you can make connections in in those spaces, like your membership or um, different free community environments. But I think also Learning to accept the people in your life that may not have chosen to do this work yet and release the potential control you think you have over them and allow them to be who they are choosing to be, releasing that responsibility from yourself, will sometimes allow you to love them and appreciate the things about them that you do love versus wanting them to be what you need in this moment that they're not. It's Mm -hmm. a lot of pressure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. It is a lot of pressure, but that's such such a good point. And something that I've experienced is that when I first started doing this type of work, I also really wanted validation from the people around me, but the people around Mm -hmm. me weren't even in a space to recognize it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I had to learn how to really get either that validation from other people who were doing the work, finding that validation within myself that I was on the right track, because sometimes we're looking for guidance from people who haven't been where we want to go.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think external validation is such a big thing that I think we're all, you know, receiving external validation is important. Having community show up for you and say, you know, we see you, we're rooting for you, this is amazing, is a, an important part of of healing. But um expecting people who have no idea what healing is, looks like to show up for you is something to work through. I would say that I'm sure that cycle shows up in other areas where you may be expecting people to do things that they also have shown you that they are not willing to do. And that's really hard. And that cycle shows up For many of us. I know it's definitely showed up for me, but I think when we're healing sometimes in the beginning, at least, but even in the, in the middle, I feel like we're always in the middle. Oh, for (laughs) sure. Yeah. We get to a place of like, okay, so surely people are going to decide to come with me. And (laughs) man, you know, when people don't decide to come with us, it's one of the hardest parts sometimes of getting started because you start feeling like you're leaving people behind. But you don't have to leave people behind. You just have to decide, are you willing to meet them where they are and have them meet you where you are without there having to be. Sometimes there doesn't have to be. Sometimes people don't actually need to change. They've decided that they want to live how they want to live, but they may not be able to show up and have that deep conversation of the soul that you're looking for. And then it may be your responsibility to seek out those kinds of people who are willing to do that kind of deep work with you. 100%.
0: 100%. Oh, that's such good advice. Mm-hmm. I would love to talk to you a little bit about self healing because that is a big pillar of your work. Mm-hmm. So, first, I would love to hear about what the catalyst for your own self healing journey was and why you think self healing is so important for us to do.
1: Yes. And so, I have always felt that, well, unfortunately, let me just start with, sometimes, many times, therapy, coaching, all of these wonderful things are inaccessible. Mm -hmm. And definitely for me, when I realized that I needed to talk to someone, it was inaccessible for me. There weren't any tools available that actually spoke to me at 23. Like the self-help section looked very different yes. than it looks today. Yes, And so I really wanted to, as I was creating this, as I really started to dive into creating work for people, I wanted it to be something that if people could work with me or a therapist or coach, great. But let's say they couldn't, then what? Because a lot of times people say like, well, let's go, why don't you find a therapist? It's not always possible. It could be schedules. It could be lots of different things. And so, and sometimes you know, people are more likely to find a therapist or a coach or some type of help one-on-one when they have had the opportunity to see what kind of help they actually need, which we find through self-discovery, through Mm -hmm. self-healing. And so I wanted people to have Tools that they could access. And I mean, I couldn't have foresaw 2020, of course, but like this is what self healing was created for, as far as I'm concerned. Like, if you don't have access to people, if you don't have access to therapy, if your schedule's all over the place, if, you know, things are going down and you don't have access to things like you would like to, then what? You know, what are you going to reach for? How do you continue to do your work? You know, how do you continue to have those? conversations with yourself that really allow you to discover more, become more self-aware, um, be kind to yourself, all of those different things. And sometimes you find it through a podcast and then sometimes you're at work and you can't listen. So like being able to check in with yourself, I think it's so powerful. So that's what self-healing was birthed from for me um, and what I wanted to do for other people. And everything that I create is always based on How can people take this and continue to grow from this? How can they take these prompts and make them into something completely different that I couldn't even foresee and take this work and make it fit their particular lives with the intention of further creating space for people to have exactly what they need for themselves. Mm,
0: That's so beautiful. What Mm -hmm. came up for me as you were describing that was kind of that expression of, Teaching, teaching someone to fish, you know, mm-hmm. catch a fish for them or teach them to fish and walking people through the tools needed for self-healing
1: is mm-hmm. kind of like teaching
0: people to fish so that they can access what they need when they need it. If you, Even if you do go to therapy every week and you see your therapist every Monday and something pops off on Tuesday and you have another now six what? days <laughs> before <laughs> you see them again, like having that, that suite of self-healing tools to help you navigate it until mm-hmm. you kind of get to that next step, like you said, is so important.
1: Oh, I love that. Yeah, and I feel like the number one thing I hear from most of my clients is, I just feel like I didn't get what I needed mm-hmm. to do this, whatever it is, right? Life, adulting, marriage, m- parenting. I feel like I didn't get what I needed. And we have to grieve that. We have to grieve not. I don't actually know anyone who feels fully equipped t- to adult and live life. I think we're all learning that we're creating our own rule book. Based on the circumstances, because it's based on the choices we make, unless you look the exact carbon copy life of your parents, even if they were there for every emotional need you have, most likely there's going to be something that comes up that they may not be able to see you through. So, you know, I think self, that's where self-healing and self-awareness comes in and being able to learn how to, I don't know anyone who can help me through this. And even your therapist and your coach and all that, someone's going to be able to take you so far. You're going to have to commit to the work yourself. Mm -hmm. So this is what this helps you do. It helps you be self-reliant, not in a way of you're out here on your own, but in a way of, I believe in myself and I trust myself to also help me get through this. Like I believe that I can also be a part of my healing. It doesn't belong to anyone else. Lots of times we're looking for other people to heal us. Parents, uh, you know, once they finally say sorry, I'll be okay. Once I finally find my partner, I'll feel whole. Once I finally get pregnant. And it's like all of those things are things that do help fill our lives and give us joy and peace, but it doesn't heal us. And it definitely shouldn't be responsible for our healing because partners and children and all of those things don't actually belong to us. They're just something that we have access to. But when it comes to your healing, it belongs to you and it's your responsibility. And it can be really tough because when it come, comes to your inner child, that part of you is like, I don't want to own this. Um, but I feel like that's what self-healing gives us the opportunity to do, to own what does now belong to us. If you're an adult now, it belongs to you.
0: Mm, I love what you said
1: about the
0: fact that your healing is the only thing that belongs to you and is your mm-hmm. responsibility. I think that's beautiful. And I was also thinking as you were talking, that there are sometimes just apologies that we're never going to get.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: there there are apologies that I feel like I'm still waiting on from people who are alive and well, <laughs> and it ain't going to come. And right. so how how do I manage those feelings within myself and and move forward to continue to grow and not let that hinder where I'm at because I can't control whether it comes or not. And so how, how do we heal ourselves and move past those things that we don't have that control over?
1: Mm, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's where grief comes in. Um, and I think that, I want to say that I don't, I want to be clear that I don't believe that Like if you're listening and you're like, oh my gosh, there's so many people, you know, who have wronged me. You know, you don't have to go down memory lane, excavate every single opportunity or experience that you've had where someone has wronged you and then make your way down the list, right? There's going to be those particular circumstances or experiences that feel like they can't go away no matter what you do, no matter how much work you do, you'll know what they are. Um, And if you don't know what they are, then you can practice Asking yourself each day, like, what do I need today to try to see if those come up? Because it is true that, like, if you don't have those internal conversations often, you may not be able to discern what it is that you actually have to do in your healing work. But going back to your question, like, if you know there's a particular or particular apologies that you would like to have, I think it's important to know that, like, grief is real and, like, working on feeling sad because if there's anger although anger is a natural emotion you know you want to get down to that next level which is underneath anger is usually disappointment sadness just you know the emotion of of accepting what could have been and knowing that it's probably not going to come to fruition and it doesn't mean you know the the wellness positivity community might be like well you know what if i stay positive about it there's a fine line between being positive and neglecting to accept reality and the truth mm. and being honest with yourself. And if you're wrong, great. It'll, that apology will jump up and surprise you. You already did your work, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if, you, if you're right and that apology most likely isn't coming, then you want to do your grief work. You want to allow yourself to feel the anger, feel the sadness, accept what happened, accept that you deserved better, accept that you still deserve better. Figure out what your lessons are. What did you learn from this? If you don't feel like you learned anything and they were just someone that were cruel and mean, recognizing that it doesn't have to be a lesson in everything. Sometimes people just suck. And, you know, giving yourself the space to to learn what moving on looks like from this and knowing that even though you've grieved it, it still might come up. It still might be a part of you all the time. And it doesn't mean that you haven't let go. Letting go is relative to what we've experienced and what we need. And it looks different for everyone. If you're still able to live your life, then you've let go. Even if it's still in your mind, it doesn't mean that it will disappear from your memory. And so I I think that that's what I would share for those apologies. Um, And also the big thing too is recognizing that like, if you're waiting for an apology from someone who didn't show you they had the capacity to understand what they did was wrong, um, or that they don't have the capacity to apologize. You know, maybe making a covenant, for lack of a better term, or a promise with yourself around how you'll make better choices about the types of folks that you allow in your life to the best of your ability moving forward to help you begin to build that self trust and discernment with yourself that. You didn't know who they were going to be. Um, Or maybe you didn't even have the opportunity because you were a child and you were relying on others to be that discernment for you. And it it could be really tough to let go of apologies that won't happen. I think we all have them. But recognizing that the moving on isn't for them, it's for you. And it's the freedom that you're going to gain from being willing to give yourself the space to feel that disappointment that we hold on to sometimes. Oh my God. I have like full body chills
0: because I feel like everything you just said was exactly what I needed to hear. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I hope for our listeners, they feel the same way. I'm sure they will Mm -hmm. Um, because there's so much, so much realness in that. And especially when you said letting go is relative to what we need and what we've been through. I just, I, Mm. I had, I felt myself having a very strong reaction to that.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's tough. You know, I I think that letting go is the thing that most of us struggle with uh, because once we let go, that means that we've accepted. If we don't accept, then, you know, we're still holding out hope and there's nothing wrong with being hopeful but when hope gets in the way of fact and truth and honesty and your intuition, then it's no longer hope. It's a sham, right? It's, you know, it's, yeah. it's a part of yourself. This may sound harsh, but that's that cycle of self-betrayal. And to get out of it, sometimes we have to do the tough part, the tough thing. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, I love that you said intuition as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Can we
0: talk a little bit more about intuition and about the role yeah. intuition plays in self healing?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, um, discernment and intuition are the things that I get asked about the most, um, and people often think like, "How do I know if it's my intuition or discernment?" or if it's just the you know a voice in my head that is, if it's my ego, or if it's you know sometimes our moms live in our head, you know, is it them and the um, things that they've given me or my family? And I think the most clear way to be able to to discern if it's your intuition because we have to discern, right? Discern meaning to understand, to know with certainty, right? Um, our intuition is often what, like, let's pretend with dating because it's really comes up a lot with dating. Mm-hmm. If you are on a date with someone, they have everything. I don't know, six feet, clean cut, nice teeth, nice mouth, all the things, right? Mm-hmm. And has a nice job, D- did all the gentlemanly things, text you after the date, all of the things, and you're like, oh my gosh, like this was the perfect first date. He's already asked me the second date, you know. But there's a part of you that's like, and it's different than fear because fear is often like, I don't know if I should do this. You know, I don't know if I'm ready for this type of relationship. You know, maybe you start asking yourself questions, you start talking yourself out of it. That's usually fear. But intuition often shows up in a very solid way of don't text him back. (laughs) (laughs) Don't go on that date. Mm -hmm. I know he's cute. And, and intuition will often have you questioning why. Like, d- you'll find yourself arguing with intuition. Didn't you see that smile? Didn't you see that car? Didn't you see, you know? And we'll talk ourselves out of, you know, intuition is also our red flags. The red flags that show up in dating, at jobs, at, in, in friendships. You know, you're laughing with a new friend that you met and she says something real shady and it hurts you. And instead of saying something about it, you just say, oh, she probably was just making a joke. Like, that's a red flag. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean you have to cut her off, but it's it's your intuition letting you know to pay attention. That's what intuition is doing. Um, it's letting you know that this isn't either in alignment with you, that there may be something that's off about this person or this experience. Um Intuition is often sometimes something simple, like when you get the, no, the, the notification, so to speak, to turn down that block and there's going to be a parking spot that fits your car right there. Like You're like, oh, like it's like it appeared for me. Sometimes that's like intuition too. It depends on how deep you want to go down the energy trail. But I feel that ultimately to begin to, to start to build your intuition, to build your discernment, you have to be willing to listen to yourself. Yes, advice from friends and family and coaches and healers and astrologers and all that stuff is great. But everybody has their own individual intuitive voice. And the muscle of intuition and discernment only gets strong when you use it. And you only begin to understand it, the language, so to speak, the more that you speak it with yourself. And it won't speak that way to anyone else. And so even if it sounds silly... Start listening when you feel that the thing that most of us will say is, you know, something told me that something is you. Mm -hmm. That something is your intuition, and even with the small things, beginning to pay attention to it and allowing it, even if it's the perfect person that showed up or the perfect opportunity or job, um, it doesn't mean that everything is is too good to be true. I want to be clear that I'm not saying that you can have everything that you want, but if It's not in alignment with you. It's not everything that you want. And so that's where intuition and discernment comes in to remind you that the package may have different contents (laughs) than you're expecting. Mm -hmm. Pay attention to that.
0: Oh, that was so good. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, I would love to hear your thoughts on... I feel like I've had times where I thought that I was listening to my intuition and, and looking back on it. I'm like, I don't think that was, I think that was maybe like my ego kind of masquerading as mm. intuition. Am I making that up? Does that happen?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Like that's the, that's the, <laughs> that's the work I feel like, like yeah. our our ego will show up. Um, And you know, our ego is good. Like we all need an ego to help us do this podcast or, you know, the ego is the thing that's like, yeah, you are great even before you've done it. Right. It's the thing that like kind of cheers us on. And, and it's, if you're human and you're healthy, you have an ego, but the thing about our ego sometimes, or the part of us that is looking for external validation or trying to heal our trauma through external validation or, um, unconsciously. Usually it's unconsciously, to be clear. It's not in t- often intentional. It's an unconscious way that we may interact with people and relationships and friendships at our in our careers. And so, you know, am I, you know, if we use like social media, for example, um, and I had a post recently talking about subliminal messages and the importance of understanding that, you know, subliminal messages are not a healthy way of communicating and asking yourself like am I posting this post because I hope that it'll be helpful to folks and it really resonates with me or I just want to post it or am I posting it with the intention that this person will see it and know that I'll mess with them mm-hmm. you know like and and that's usually the ego because the post is helpful post to many people the post is something that you may actually resonate with but the actual intention behind it the ego part of it the external validation part of it, the projecting through my trauma part of it, is actually hoping that this particular person sees it and is hurt by it. They may never see it, but there's this part of you that's hopefully that's hoping they will see it, and what you're actually hoping out of it is not that they, it'll hurt them and they'll go away you're hoping that it'll hurt them and they'll come close, Mm -hmm. that they'll see their wrongs, that they'll apologize, that they'll do whatever. So that's just an example of how sometimes our ego will show up and have us doing things that are actually pushing people or circumstances or blessings um, far away. And I don't believe that what's for us will miss us, but I do believe that we have the ability to push away what's for us because it is free will. We have the choice to say yes to what's for us or not. And so I think that's also why this is important, healing work. We're all trying to get to a place of being able to have the lives that we desire, despite the fact that we're all going to have tough circumstances to go through, because that's a part of life. But how can we get out of our own way and know with more clarity what actually feels good to us versus what we've been told should feel good? And I think that that's the difference between listening to our truth and listening to our ego, but until, and, and and again, checking in with yourself, like, is this really me? Mm-hmm. When you want to ask yourself also, like, what is the outcome that I'm looking for? If I'm looking for clarity, if I'm looking for love, if I'm, if I'm looking for connection, that's most likely your intuition. You still have to, do, you know, check in, but that's most likely your intuition. If I'm looking to shut her down, <laughs> if I'm looking to, you know make him put his foot in his mouth, if I'm looking to you know, embarrass them, that's most likely my ego. And even though sometimes there is a time and a place to do all of those things, at the end of it, you still have work to do. Yeah. You still may have grieving to do. You still may have all of those things. So it's just checking in and seeing like, what is the intention behind this? And that helps you discern what's what.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, I just like need somebody to come get me off the floor right now because <laughs> that was <laughs> so good. So good because we've all been there. We've all done that. And I love, I love that example that you gave about really just checking our intentions because I think mm-hmm. that's a good gauge for understanding whether we're, we're kind of listening to, to intuition or ego. That was so mm-hmm. helpful. Thank you. I would love to also talk a little bit about boundaries because Mm -hmm. this is also something that you teach around and that you teach so beautifully. You actually just had a post the other day that I loved that said a reminder that your free time is not free. And Mm. I wanted to print it out and plaster it on my walls as a (laughs) note to self.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, But I would love to talk about that because I think this This experience that we're having with the pandemic and so many of us being home and forced to slow down in some ways, I think there has been this guilt of still needing to be available or needing Mm -hmm. to work more or needing to be on call because technically we're not really out and about doing some of the things we used to do and feeling this guilt over just not always being available. So Mm -hmm. I would love to hear any advice that you have for people who are maybe struggling
1: with that. Yeah. I mean, the first thing I would love for folks to ask themselves is, why do you need to be doing something? Like, not all the time, but like, ask yourself, like, why do I need to be doing this particular thing? Even intention and be, being clear about the intention becomes really powerful when it comes to boundaries, because it's like, what is my purpose behind saying yes to this? Is this because I'm excited about this opportunity and it is going to be great? Or is it because I feel like I have to be doing this because it helps me to f- feel productive? Um, even looking at the definition, the internal definition, like what does productive actually mean to me? Does it mean that I worked all day? Where did I get that from? How is that actually positively affecting my life and the life that I say I want? I think the most powerful boundaries right now are self-boundaries. you know how are you showing up for yourself by doing what you said you wanted for yourself? And it's hard to be able to advocate for yourself with others around boundaries. If you're not able to advocate with yourself and do that fight with your ego, because that's where ego comes in big time with boundaries, Mm. but she won't like you if you say no but they won't call you again if you don't do this job. If you just do it this one time without pay, maybe next time they'll pay you. You know, ego will try to come in and make you, not make you, but offer a shiny opportunity to se- betray yourself, to betray what you know to be true for you. And sometimes it's just learning a lesson and being like, okay, you know what? I did it this time. I feel completely taken advantage of. I feel completely resentful about doing it. I'm not going to do that again. I learned that lesson. And then other times it's, I've been doing this and, and signing up for this boundary violation again and again and again. And at some point, you have to recognize that no one is making you do anything, right? Boundaries are the way that we decide to show up with the people, places, and things that we're in relationship with. We are the people who are saying yes when people ask us for money. We are the people that are deciding to stay in relationships with people who harm us, who hurt us, who don't care about what's going on in our lives, where there's no reciprocity, where they don't check in on us, where they make fun of the things that we say we're going to do. Like, we're the ones saying yes to that. And I know that it's scary because you're thinking, you know, okay, if I walk away from this, then what do I have? And I think knowing that you have the opportunity to build a life that looks and feels like what you want is what you could have if you had enough energy and time to devote to building that versus maintaining what is hurting you. And boundaries doesn't mean getting rid of everyone or cutting everyone off, but it does mean getting very clear about what is a yes and what is a no and being willing to say that To others, but also to yourself. And I think right now, a lot of people are in a place of like numbing, you know, like numbing with work, numbing with television. And I think right now, why not? (laughs) You know, we have a lot going on. And if it makes you feel good and it makes you feel connected and it makes you feel like you have a purpose, then do it. But if there is a cry in you or calling you to slow down. If there's something in you that's asking you, especially like as we look at the new year and you want to maybe create different opportunities for yourself, not opportunities for abundance necessarily in terms of upward mobility and career, but opportunities for, I don't know, learning to paint, uh, running a marathon, walking, uh, learning how to do a twist out. Whatever it is that you want to do that you're like, oh, one day I'll do that. Like, why not now? Because I'm too busy. Why? Why are you too busy? And what have you said yes to that has made you busy to the point where you don't have time for the things that you desire as well? And I think finding not necessarily balance, but being willing to allow space for both things, like there's space for joy and there's space for the things that we sign up for and that we have to do as well. And I think that's what boundaries helps us do. It helps us have a life that creates space for our joy and gives us freedom. When we don't have boundaries, we feel like we are living our life based on what everyone else wants for us. When we have boundaries, we're aware that I'm at this event because I said yes and I hate it. And next time I'm going to say no, like we're clear on mm-hmm. where the violation came from. Oh, I knew when I got this invite, I should have said no. But yet here am I, I am on this three hour Zoom call. <laughs> Never again, mm-hmm. you know?
0: Oh, that's so, so good. I love the perspective of creating space for more joy, because mm-hmm. I think right now we all need more joy and mm-hmm giving ourselves the grace to create that space and giving one another that the grace to create that space is so so critical
1: oh yeah and like really really giving yourself the opportunity like this is not a and I want to be clear like this isn't from a place of shame. I know I can be very direct in like in sharing, but like this isn't from we a like place We like it. Of sh- Give it to us straight. <laughs> <laughs> this is not from a place of shame or judgment. We are all out here struggling with the boundaries. Yep. We're yep. all out here struggling in our relationships and in, in particular whatever ways that we've learned our different cycles, whether it be codependency or toxicity or, you know, whatever it is. And so, but when we recognize the power that we actually have in In our lives, with the people that are in our lives, with what we say yes to, with where we spend our money, all of the things and where we give our time and attention to. Sometimes the boundaries is looking at things and recognizing, I'm not going to change that. It's time to move on, Mm -hmm. you know, And, and giving that attention and energy to something else. Sometimes that's what boundaries looks like. And it's just really, it's really freeing. And this year, particularly for me, I've really... I really decided to exercise my boundaries in a completely different way. And relationships have changed. Things have changed. Um, A lot of it is tough, sad. You know, I have to grieve through those things. I have to give myself the space to, you know, look at what was maybe always there in some relationships um, that I didn't really have time to see because I was in the hustle and bustle of life. Um, and now recognizing how much more that I've created for myself and being clear about what I want has, has given me more to look forward to. And it, it's hard, especially when it comes to friendships, like it's very vulnerable to put yourself out there with people and to try to make connections, especially as adults, but it is worth it to try to create a community of people who see you? Who hear you? Who respect you? Um, and the same goes for romantic relationships. Like finding partnerships where there's alignment instead of settling for who's here right now. You know, it's 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 like choosing yourself each and every time is what boundaries is about.
0: Mm. Oh, that's so good, choosing yourself each and every time. Yes, mm-hmm. I love it. And it's it's hard because it. I don't think that not having boundaries is something that comes naturally to mm-hmm. us. I think it is definitely conditioning that happens over time. And now a lot of us are reaching this point where we're like, okay, time to decondition, mm-hmm. <laughs> decondition that and get get back to understanding what our needs are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, to your point about alignment with people and community, you know, I've made some incredible friends as an adult really over the past couple of years. And something that a lot of those friends have in common is they have really good boundaries and being friends with them has taught me how to have better boundaries. And Mm. it's amazing how that can rub off um, when you are around people who do just have that sense of respect for themselves and their time and for you and for your time. And, how that, how that rubs off is just really beautiful.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. And, and your community begins to influence you and they support you as opposed to, you know, falling off or retreating. And I think it's fine. You know, it's, it's, it's hard when people, when relationships shift and change, but anything that you were supposed to let go of, if it's letting go of you because you maybe were not willing to let go of it, then it's also a win it may not feel like it but you know when things start walking away from you is definitely like the universe is ready for you to just mm-hmm. <laughs> move on yes yeah
0: Oh, you could say that again. I've been learning that lesson a lot lately. (laughs) (laughs) So Yasmin, I would also love to talk a little bit about your podcast because listeners, if you have not yet heard Yasmin's podcast, The Sugar Jar, you must. We'll link it in the show notes. It is such a beautiful, beautiful show that I love listening to. I was honored to be a guest uh, earlier in this current season. And Mm -hmm. it is just, it's a beautiful space that you have created. And I would love if you could share with our listeners a little bit of the story behind the sugar jar and what the sugar jar is.
1: Yes. Thank you for um, creating that space for me here. So I, you know, the sugar jar is it's a way of teaching a a way that I've created to teach about our energy. Um, You know, I found that in uh, a lot of BIPOC communities, particularly, you know, when it comes to like energy work there, first of all, we've been doing this forever and we've been doing this like forever, ever, (laughs) but it's been colonized. It's been changed. It's been shifted. And so when this uh, came to me um, to teach this way, it's just resonated so much because I think it helps people to visualize where their energy is and where it's going. And so when you think about the actual sugar jar, I, I would like for you to imagine you know, a kitchen, whatever kitchen that comes to your mind. Um, and then you're going to imagine a jar of sugar in your kitchen. And for every single person, the jar is a different size, a different shape. And whatever size or shape it is, it's fine, right? But the jar is us, and it's our capacity. And some people have larger capacities, and then mm-hmm. some people have smaller capacities. And whichever capacity it is, it's fine. Um, you can expand it, but that's like a more elevated version of this. And so, your jar is going to have sugar in it, and your jar is your is you, and the sugar is your time, your money, where you say yes to, what you say no to. The time you spend with your children. You know, even though you may have different roles like mother or brother or um, career person or partner, you only have one jar because there's only one of you. The thing that most of us are struggling with is having a lid on our jar, which is our boundaries, our permission, right? So if we don't have a lid on our jar, then people are able to come into the kitchen, come into our jar, take our sugar. And although it may feel Like, there may be resentment because it's like they just come in and they just take, you know, you may have you may even have heard yourself say things like this. You know, they just call me whenever I'm on the phone for two hours or they just ask me to show up and I show up and there's no gratitude, you know, or, you know, I give and no one ever does anything for me. But the part that we often miss out on is that we are the ones who have, one, the ability for people to walk into our house, come into our kitchen and get into our sugar um, because we don't have locked doors. We don't have boundaries. We don't have permissions in place. We don't have a lid on our jar. We don't have any systems set up where people have to ask us first before we say yes. We are just open and available for people to have whatever they want from us. We don't know what they're doing with our sugar. We don't know why they need it. They can just take from us because we allow them to. And what the Sugar Jar podcast is about is all of the different ways in society. In which we may be leaking sugar, where there may be cracks in our jar, where, you know, whether it's medical um, appointments or um, being a non binary person in the world or, you know, dealing with grief, dealing with death, like all the places that these, the, our sugar jar becomes very clear that there is an imbalance in the way that we are available to the people that we care about but we don't want to be accessible all the time. And so I wanted this podcast to be something that we talk about all of the different places and spaces in which our energy can potentially go and how we can learn how to navigate that in a way that feels like we actually have a (laughs) say-so in what happens in our lives. And so when we can visualize that exchange of sugar, you know, the sweet stuff, right? That's us um, being taken by the spoonful, by the cupful. We also have to imagine what it looks like to put sugar back into our jar to fill ourselves up, 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 which is self-care, which is self-love, self-awareness, healing work. And so I feel like the sugar jar is the Is a great analogy for the healing work that I teach and that I do. And I hope that it helps people to really see the control that we have. We can always upgrade our jar and get a bigger jar. Um, And we can always make a smaller jar if you want to move to the mountains and not do much. We can put a lid on if we want to. We can buy sugar in the raw if we don't want to have regular sugar anymore or brown sugar if we want to. Like the choice is ours. But we do have to make the decision and then take the action. It's not going to close on its own. And so once that jar was given to you by your parents, if you were you know raised by parents or whoever raised you, once it became yours, unfortunately for some of us, it became ours far too early. But once we are aware that it's ours, it's our responsibility to take care of it as best we can and to um, mend it in any ways that we need to and ultimately to keep it full. <sighs>
0: I love it so much. Truly, just one of my favorite analogies because it just it makes so much sense for how we can view how we take care of ourselves and how much we give and how much we receive and i i appreciate you creating it and sharing it and again everybody the show uh, the show notes will have the podcast linked there because you all have to tune in if you're here you will love it there
1: so <laughs> <laughs> thank you <laughs>
0: So Yasmin, before we wrap up today, I have to ask, what does being a balanced Black girl mean to you?
1: Oh, you know, I think the number one thing it means, the number one thing that being a balanced Black girl means to me is being willing to show up in my vulnerability. I feel as a Black woman, and especially when I was a Black girl, that vulnerability was the opposite of what I was expected to be and portray Um, and what no one was ever expecting of me or from me. And I have felt so much stronger and grounded in my vulnerability and it has created so much balance in my life. Um, So yeah, that's what that means to me. I love
0: it. I love it. We are big fans of vulnerability here and of reclaiming it and seeing the beauty and strength in it. So Mm -hmm. I love that you said that. (laughs) Amazing. How can our audience keep in touch with you and support you and your work?
1: Yeah. So you can go to yasmincheyenne.com and when you go there, you can join my newsletter. And my newsletter is where I share a lot more of my thoughts and musings around what I've shared here. Um, But when you join my newsletter, one, there will be no spam. But two, you get access to two free workbooks um, that can help you get started in your self-healing work or help you continue your self-healing work if perhaps um, any other form of healing work is inaccessible to you right now.
0: Amazing. We'll make sure that we link that in the show notes so that folks can go sign up, join the newsletter, get the workbooks, an incredible Mm -hmm. offering. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I loved this conversation. Thank you for tuning into Balanced Black Girl. If you enjoyed this episode and feel called doing so, we would really appreciate a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to check out the show notes and more offerings at balanceblackgirl.com.